Welcome to Firefighting in Canada, the podcast, brought to you by Draeger. Draeger products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. You've tuned in for compelling conversation on hot topics impacting Canada's fire service. I'm Hope BC Fire Chief Tom DeSorcy. It's hard not to include the COVID-19 pandemic in any conversation on business continuity. No matter what industry, business, or sector you happen to belong to, things certainly have changed. From a fire service perspective, uh, well, will we change or simply adapt? Phil Bott is uh, Division Chief at the Greater Toronto Airports Authority, the GTAA, for Aviation Services, Fire and Emergency Services, the Training Institute there, joins us uh, today from Mississauga. Phil, uh, thank you for taking the time today. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Give us a bit of an introduction to what you do, what your role is, uh, and and let's, let's go back a year ago. Let's go back post, or rather prior, pre-pandemic and what your job entailed. So at uh, FESTI, we have the great disposition of being located next to Toronto Pearson International Airport, which allows us with great accessibility for incoming international clients as well as domestic clients. So lots of people find easy paths to get here to FESTI, to receive training, to do their CTS testing, to continue their education. And so I have the luxury of being in contact with domestic and international clients looking at potentially firefighting. We look, we do some recruit training with individual departments. We do hazmat training to companies, to cities. I also look after uh, individual specialized courses. So for technical rescue, we just recently completed a confined space rescue course. So setting that up with the city um, and then facilitating the instructors and all of the program development before the class, then the class during COVID-19 we went through that. And I also look after the candidate testing services program uh, through the OFAI. So pre-pandemic, five days a week, organizing training, providing services to clients, whether that's supporting their accommodations at local hotels. We get everything arranged right front to back so that when you come off the plane and get off the shuttle, clients can stay in the hotel are making sure students know where they're coming, what to expect on day one, and also supporting evaluators and candidates through the CTS program. So not just a in-house training program for the GTAA, but for people from around the world. Absolutely, yes. In the training or the, I guess, the bringing in of people to uh, to offer the service and to, uh, again, you know, it's a business more than anything, What is what are the numbers you're dealing with? How many people go through the programs? Obviously, we'll go with uh, pre-pandemic. So each year, we're training generally somewhere near 150 students through our blended firefighter training program. So they're coming out with the MFPA 1001 Level 1 and 2 certificates. And then we train about 75 students through our pre-service or regular NFPA 1001 Firefighter Training Program. So I say regular because that's in-house, Monday to Friday, the kind of college experience. So those are our mainstream courses, both for NFPA 1001, and then we have NFPA 1072 hazmat training 
at the various levels. And in 2018-19, we trained a large department and their response team. So we had about 100 students come through for that hazmat training. Then we do ARF training in the ballpark of between 70 and 80 students. And then we have first aid, EMR, EMR recertification. Several students, we might put through somewhere, you know, 150 students on our first aid courses. That's uh, that's that's incredible, and and you say from uh, not only you know the local area, but certainly from around the world. Where is everyone coming from? So we had a great contact in Belgium. So our team from Charleroi in Brussels, Belgium, they were coming in repeatedly several years. We've had great support from departments and airports who were down in the Caribbean. So we've had. Bermuda, we've had St. Kitts, um, we've had long-term relationship with St. Martin's, and then we have others that are coming from the Middle East as well. So from Saudi Arabia and Abu Dhabi as well. Is everyone involved in the aviation side or do some just leave with the 1001 and, and that's it? Correct. Yeah. Some leave just with the 1001. So to, to come and be a structural firefighter, I mean, that's it's always interested me when you talk about the fire service and, and how we are so diverse in what we do. And when you think back, it's a basic session, a basic training course to start that we learn about fires in boxes, uh, literally, and then we branch out in all directions from there, don't we? Absolutely. Yep. There's lots of lots of different potentials that the you know we talk about it in the root system. In a thousand and one, you set your roots and you plant them, and they run deep through education. And then as your tree of knowledge begins to grow, it can stem off into so many different branches. And you know you can go into the mainstream of prevention operations or training, and then within those individual cells, you have so many additional opportunities. It's just a, a world of opportunities and a plethora of great experiences. I want to talk more about the training, and in particular, I want to ask, uh, get some insight on airport firefighting. But let's uh, let's okay. We talked pre-pandemic. How uh, how much have you been uh, been set? Uh, I guess turned over because of what's been going on. So we had back in the middle of March. It was March 13th when we stopped all of the students from coming into FESTI. Uh, we had a real blessing that that was the graduation date of our first blended course of this year. So on their graduation date, um, that was literally the end of school <laughs> for instructors and them as students. And then the following week after that, um, the incoming blended class was deferred to an undetermined date, which we know that uh, adds stress into the education process. And then our pre-service group, which had 25 students in it, they were also deferred. So we basically come March 16th, that Monday, we suspended all class activities. So whether it was a group coming in just for practical hands-on training or whether that was in class. So in our response to it, we took our pre-service in-class students and we created accounts for them online and supported them with the recurrent education based in online modules. So giving them the experience that our blended students had. We also had our future upcoming blended courses. So all of our blended courses within 2020, 
got immediate access to the blended modules so that they could take advantage of the time during quarantine, during the pandemic. Do you have or do you see a disadvantage to uh, to strictly online or has that ha- helped and been a benefit in any way? It has been a huge benefit as we've heard some, uh, from some personal stories that what we did was our blended students had the plan to complete their online modules and then attend class for four weeks. So really their mind and their lifestyle and their household was set up for online learning in the comfort of their own home. Our pre-service students had their focus on attending class Monday to Friday, joining in with the crew, taking in the, the education from the textbook and PowerPoint slides augmented by the instructor who was at the front of the class. So we said, it is a change for your education plan to put you solely online with modules. So we augmented that with two hours each week over a Teams or Zoom platform so that we could personally have the instructors connect with their pre-service students. Will there be, I I guess I'm thinking ahead now, will there be the opportunity to to incorporate this in the future as part of, of normal business? Definitely. The students have come back and said, you know, for example, I really liked how I could stop the PowerPoint and I could go back a couple slides and go through it. I didn't have that luxury on the previous chapters in class because the instructor is supporting the movement of the entire group of students. So they said individually, it's great. I can move through it on my own, recap, redo, try the test a second time. And then you get to the weekly two-hour sessions with the instructor, and you can refer back to any questions that you had. You can learn and get a basically in-person experience of maybe checking out fire hoses, maybe checking out hydrants right there from the instructor. So it was like a hybrid model of our two programs. What you've done and what you've been doing, certainly what the pandemic has offered us or has created for us, I guess, is an opportunity to uh, perhaps improve. But for the short term, do you see that there could be an impact on the fire service in terms of the amount of students that have been slowed down and will not be available to fire departments uh, around the world? Yeah, that is, that's one uh, a negative impact from it. And we have seen that working on the other side with CTS is we have noticed that there is an increase in the demand for hiring. So the municipal departments are still having retirees. They still need to have recruits join in. And if we don't have enough graduates from programs and enough candidates coming from the CTS program, then especially here in Ontario with the CTS program, it suffers on two avenues, no students, no candidates. I think that those departments that had, uh, you know, instructional spaces that uh, had technical capabilities, uh, they're the ones that have been able to jump ahead. Is that something you've had in place at at your facility? Yes. So we were embracing it and, and, you know, beforehand, before before you're forced into it, technology is always a little slower And we have that saying in the fire service, you know, 200 years of history unimpeded by progress. (laughs) And this has provided us with that kickstart into the program. And I was just reading an article recently that an important factor in your training atmosphere is your CTO. And I thought, huh, coming from the fire service, CTO often represents our chief training officer. So I tweaked my interest and read it further. 
And CTO stands for the Chief Technological Officer. And we see that now ever more important is that we have to have somebody who's engaging through social media, who is supporting the, you know, the inbox for general inquiries to respond in manners that our current recruits are utilizing. So if it's text message, we need to be referring to that and communicating through email and text and through the multiple facets of social media. So it really was a, a good a good force to to jump into technology. We always talk about those uh, those I guess that generation, if you will, that would be into you know the learning from remotely learning from technology. I you know it's this this is the jumpstart we all needed to take advantage. Absolutely. I want to know more uh, about uh, about I guess aircraft firefighting really quickly before we. Uh, run out of time today. And, and I, if, if you take a person with a 1001 that comes in from a structural background, is that the next step or is it, is it an easy transition to add that to the uh, toolbox to be, uh, to be involved in aircraft firefighting? Yeah, it's, um, all, all the premises are the same about firefighting. We just have the availability to have more water and more foam on the apparatus. Our vehicles are equipped with pump and roll capability. And then it's the understanding of the airport and basically the community that you're responding to. So instead of studying a street map, you're studying a runway and taxiway map. And you're responding to, instead of an industrial facility and multiple factories, you're responding to an industrial facility filled with baggage areas, multiple companies, and terminals. So it's a, it's a good, there are lots of similarities. And then to understand the aircraft, understand how much fuel they have on board, the necessity of quick knockdowns. So it's uh, it's an easy transition and your NFPA 1003 gives you that understanding broadly, again, as your starting point into that avenue. So an airport fire department certainly is going to respond to more than just aircraft. Am I correct? You are correct, yes. <laughs> There's a thought as you speak with people that, oh, an airport firefighter must be really slow there's never a plane that's on the news that's on fire. And that's a great thing, right? Um, fire prevention does well. You know, pilot information does extremely well. And we look at the reality that at our airport, our fire department has the ability to be all hazards responders. So whether it's a confined space rescue, whether it's a trench collapse, whether it's a structure fire inside of the maintenance building, our firefighters are equipped, trained, prepared to respond to all of those concerns. So how is demand to uh, to get into that from just the structural, uh, the municipal world, as it were? As we see from different departments, uh, and we've seen from different airports as well, we see that cross-training requirements. So you have municipal departments that surround an airport, maybe municipal or international airport. They're training their municipal firefighters with an awareness so that when they respond onto the airport, they're prepared to deal with the large aircraft. Because we're increasing demand for travel, we're increasing the efficiency of aircraft, so it's more possible, we're seeing the number of flights increase, so we're seeing these smaller airports be used more frequently, therefore we need to have more protection. And we see airports now offering full service firefighting capability, or we see them increasing their mutual aid. In our uh, municipal world, uh, certainly the pandemic has 
has slowed things down somewhat, uh, you know, less people traveling, less people coming through a community like mine, where I have five highways coming through, uh, coming through a community. Uh, that's going to increase. It has started already. What's the environment at an airport, uh, especially especially Pearson in Toronto, where it went from from a very very busy airport to I'm sure it slowed down and probably coming back. Yes, you're absolutely right, and we're we're very pleased to see that it is uh, now on the upswing in the volume of passengers and flights. But it uh, was significantly decreased, and it was shocking as had friends in the terminals reporting that it seems to be back in the mid-90s <laughs> with the amount of passenger flow that we had through it. It's kind of eerie, a sense to it. So it's good to have people back. And, you know, as we see that return in number of aircraft movements, the number of flights, the number of passengers coming through, there's ever that increasing concern of ensuring the safety yet, ensuring the safety during the pandemic, everybody's prepared, all safe practices are put into place. From a training perspective, and again, the future of the fire service, do you feel that we will have, uh, again, the return to normalcy when it comes to candidates and people that want to learn the business and be in part of it? Absolutely. You see multiple signs around and, you know, thanking our frontline workers, honk for frontline workers and so on. And you see that reality that it has developed a massive increase in the respect for what frontline workers do. And communities and everybody everywhere has really been able to see that. Like first responders are key players in our community, nursing staff, doctors, paramedic support staff, you know, essential services, people in the grocery store. We've gleaned a, a massive respect for all personnel and it really gives a boost to that position that we have with with helping people in need. So I think it, it does encourage the, the future generations and people who are looking for careers to say, you know what, I see what value that position brings to my community and it will really increase people's interest in that world of firefighting. As the training institute uh, that you're at uh, responded and reacted to the pandemic, uh, what do you see or what changes uh, are you going to see in the training institute moving forward are you uh, thinking of of what is next and what how you can take advantage definitely we look at you know incorporating in our cto and embracing technology and how do we communicate with people and pre-course how do we get them to fill out the required documentation for certification for the enrollment can we have all of that paperwork you know the application filled out before so that we don't have to have the simple transfer of a pen from the instructor to the student. We used to do that without thinking. Well, now we're concerned about that. We're concerned about the passing of a certificate at the end of the course to that student and then possibly on to their fire chief or somebody else. We're concerned about cross-contamination of gear for so we clean, sanitize, SCBAs and masks more prudently, we have checks and balances to make sure every unit, every set of bunker gear has gone through a complete wash, the interior of the truck. So it, it's created a new sense of focus on the mandatory actions to ensure the safety of our students. 
and the reaction uh, that we took it will certainly do well for the rest uh, for the future. I mean, the fire service we've decontaminated uh, more and more simply for for our health and safety, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. I, I can only think that this is going to improve how we uh, how we look after our people. Certainly, I appreciate you taking the time uh, today, Phil. It's a it's interesting to uh, to discuss and talk. Uh, you know, it, we 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 all react in different ways, and I think that you know brick and mortar businesses are going to change, and I, I think the fire service will will be no exception. So again, thank you very much for sharing some insight with us. You're very welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for joining Firefighting in Canada, the podcast brought to you by Drager. Drager products protect, support, and save lives. Firefighting equipment you can trust. Visit firefightingincanada.com for more episodes.